Good to see everyone here today. We are starting a brand new series called Enough, It's Not About the Money. Now, we are going to be spending uh, this month talking about our money, but I want to give a disclaimer like right up front and let you know that this is not a giving series, okay? This is a money series, and here's the deal. We don't apologize for encouraging everyone at City Church who's a part uh, to practice the spiritual discipline uh, of giving generously and putting God first in our finances, but that's not what this series is about, so there will be no bait and switch. You can quit white-knuckling your pocketbooks. It's going to be okay. Uh, We're excited to go back to the basics in the area of our money because Witty and I both believe that you guys are working hard for your money And we want your money to also work for you. And to give you some insight, when we were planning this season of going back to the basics uh, last year, one of the questions that we asked ourselves is, what are the areas of life where people are really struggling? And we answered that first with our relationships, and that's what we did last month. And the second thing we answered that with is people are struggling in their finances. And when you're struggling in life, or you're stuck, and you don't know what to do, or you feel like you're uh, not growing spiritually, the best thing that you can do is to go back to the basics. And that has been our goal for this season here in our church. And so to kind of frame this series, Uh, Witty and I talked, and we decided we need to answer this question. What would have to be true for my money to work for me? What what would be a statement or a sentence that would be true uh, for my money to work for me, for it to no longer be a burden? And this is ultimately what we came up with. We said, if I knew I had enough to live like I want, both now and in the future, without worry, my money would work for me. Now that's a lot, let's go through it again. If I knew I had enough to live like I want both now and in the future without worry, that would mean that my money works for me. And we hope that everyone could agree with this sentence. If, if this sentence was true for your life, then money would not be a problem for you. And so over these four weeks, we're going to be breaking down this statement uh, and going back to the basics to see what it really means. And today, we're going to look at what it means to live like I want. And so I'm just curious uh, how you would respond if I told you, if I came, I sat down with you, and I told you that you are rich. My assumption is that most people, if not everyone in this room, would wholeheartedly disagree with that statement. No, Clayton, you don't, you don't know, I am not rich. I'm like the opposite of rich. But I think that the pro- poor, that's right. <laughs> but I think that the problem is that often our perspective or our scope on life is too narrow. And so we're only looking at ourselves and what we have and then we're comparing ourselves to the people around us. And so. How are you supposed to feel rich when your neighbor has a bigger house and nicer cars than you do? But the problem is this is a never-ending cycle because your neighbor also doesn't feel rich because even though they have a bigger house and a nicer car, they know someone with a lake house and a pontoon boat. And the person with the pontoon boat knows someone with a private jet. And the person with a private jet knows someone who owns an island. And the guy that owns the island is trying to keep up with the Kardashians. And so in this scenario, no one ever feels 
rich. But if we will zoom our perspective out, if we will look not just at our own situation, our own lives, and the people around us that we're comparing ourselves to, but if we look at ourselves in the scope of the world, as citizens of the earth, fellow human beings, you will find that you may just be rich. In fact, if you make an annual income of $20,000 a year, which we did the research, that is much lower than the average take home income of the zip codes around us here at City Church in San Antonio, if you make $20,000 a year, you are in the top 4% of richest people in the entire world. Don't miss that. If you make just $20,000 a year, you are richer than 96% of the adult population living on the earth. That's over 6,800,000,000 people that you make more money than. In the scope of the world, most Americans are actually very rich. But we don't feel rich. We don't feel the weight of our wealth because our money is not working for us. In fact, it can often feel like our money is actively working against us. And so why is that? And what can we do about it? And so the answer for this year is we're going to go back to the basics. We're gonna talk about believe and behave. And throughout this series, we're gonna discover what we believe about our money. And then we're gonna challenge each other to behave like we believe. And when you do that, I think that you will realize that the solution to your money problems isn't more money. You know, to be honest, the reason that we often don't feel rich, we don't feel the weight of our wealth, is because we ultimately aren't living the way that we want. Three words for you. Treat yourself. Treat yourself 2011. Once a year, Donna and I spend a day treating ourselves. What do we treat ourselves to? Clothes. Treat yourself. Fragrances. Treat yourself. Massages. Treat yourself. Mimosas. Treat yourself. Fine leather goods. Treat yourself. It's the best day of the year. The best day of the year. I really want this dress, and I like this crystal beetle, but it's expensive, and there's no use for it. Donna Meagle, treat yourself. Velvet slippies, cashmere socks, velvet pants, cashmere turtle. I'm a cashmere velvet candy cane. Treat yourself. This is insane. Now, maybe the way that you use your finances isn't quite as exaggerated as these television characters, but we all have wants, and we are living in a treat-yourself culture. We want nicer houses, we want a newer car, we want the latest fashions, we want to eat at fancy restaurants, we want the newest technology, we want to keep up with our neighbors, we want to impress our parents, we want and we want and we want. And listen, I'm gonna let you off the hook because of course we want. We've been trained since birth to be consumers. What was in between the Saturday morning cartoons that you grew up watching? It was commercials for the newest and greatest toy that you just have to have because all your friends are gonna have it. Did you know that it actually gets worse as adults? 
Did you know that these billion dollar companies in America are actually hiring psychologists and hiring neurologists to not only manipulate you into buying their products, but they're finding proven ways to get you addicted to them? Is that not a little bit frustrating? Did you know that supermarkets and grocery stores spend countless resources figuring out exactly how to lay out and configure their store so that your $50 shopping turns into a $300 shopping spree? We are a consumer culture, and now it's in our pockets. Almost everyone has a smartphone, and I can remember the first time that I had a conversation about a new place or a new product, and I opened up Facebook and there was an advertisement for it on my Facebook. Has this happened to anybody else? It's coming directly to us. I didn't know whether to pray over my phone or just smash it to pieces. Every day we are more and more becoming a consumer culture. We have to have it, and companies are making it easier and easier for us to get it. You know, once upon a time, there was, there was a, you wanted something, and you actually had to save up money to get it. And that's no longer the case, and it hasn't been for a while. Now you can open up a line of credit and you can live a million dollar life on a thousand dollar salary. And this is called living above your means. And it's why many families are crippled by debt. And then when they can't pay their minimums, their credit scores take a dive. But they still have these wants that they haven't dealt with. And so they have to go to high interest loans that are now taking more money out of their pockets. And in the meantime, they aren't putting back for retirement. They're not saving for their kids' futures. And they really don't own any of their stuff. This is why the Bible says that the borrower is a slave to the lender. And if you are living with more and more debt, you are putting yourself in a position to be a slave to the banks or to the companies where you are taking these things out from. And it's why so often our money isn't working for us. But when we're putting ourselves in debt, our money is actually actively working against us. And so I just have to ask, are, are we okay with this? Are we okay living like this and being tricked by these billion dollar companies and being told by our culture that we need more and more? Are we okay letting our hard earned money work against us instead of for us? Are we really okay with our money putting stress on our lives and our marriages? My hope is that we would say, no, we, we are not okay with this. And as your pastor, my desire for you is that you would live in a way where your hard-earned money is actually working for you. And so to change this, to make our money work for us, we're gonna go back to the basics. We're gonna do what we've done all year. We're gonna decide what we believe about our finances and we're gonna do everything we can to behave like we believe. It's how you build a great life and it's how you make your money work for you. And so today we're gonna to be in the Bible in the book of First Timothy. Now, as I was preparing for this weekend uh, and I got into First Timothy and I chose this as my text, uh, I found just the coolest parallel from using First Timothy. Okay, Timothy was a young church leader, but he is not who wrote the book of First Timothy. 
In fact, it was a letter written to him by the Apostle Paul. Many of you have heard of the Apostle Paul. He wrote 13 books of the New Testament. He was kind of a stud. And he was Timothy's spiritual mentor. He talked to him about all different areas of his life, including his finances. Now, the reason that I think that this is so cool, and maybe you will or you won't, but the reason I think it is so cool is because in this series, you're gonna hear talks from me and you're gonna hear talks from Witty who is my older spiritual mentor who talks to me about all different areas of my life and gives me incredible advice, including in the area of my personal finances. And I I thought that parallel was really cool. And so we're gonna be in 1 Timothy 6, where Paul gives us this new perspective on how to handle our money. And so he writes to Timothy and he says, listen, Timothy, we brought nothing into the world And we can take nothing out of it. We brought nothing in, we can take nothing out of it. Now, don't get this confused uh, with what your mother's told you when you were growing up, that she brought you into this world and she can take you out of it. That's a different talk. Paul tells Timothy, we brought nothing into this world, we can take nothing out of it. What he's asking Timothy to do is what we're asking you to do in this series, is to zoom out your perspective on your life and then fit in how you're gonna handle your finances. Because it's interesting how life works when you take this zoomed out view. We enter the world naked and needy and helpless. We have nothing to offer. But no one in the history of the world has ever looked at a newborn baby and said, man, this baby's poor. (laughs) This baby better get its stuff together if it wants to make something out of its life. No, no one would ever say that. Even though the baby has nothing to offer and brings nothing into the world, we think they are the greatest thing ever. And likewise, I've never been at a funeral where I heard someone get up and give a eulogy and say, oh, grandpa was a great man. I just wish he had made more money. You never see someone laying on their deathbed regretting that they didn't work more hours or accumulate and buy more things. Paul is telling Timothy, you will start and end your life with nothing and you are loved and appreciated coming into this world and you are mourned and appreciated leaving this world not because of anything that you have, just simply because of who God uniquely created you to be. And so what that means is that all of this frustration over not having enough, all of this effort to try and outdo our neighbors, all the debt that we're stacking up to live a million dollar life on a thousand dollar salary, it is all contained in this relatively short time between our birth and our death. And you see, what we know about the Apostle Paul is that he had a grander vision of life. He had the ultimate zoomed out perspective on how life works. In fact, he saw things in an eternal framework. He went on to say, if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. We brought nothing in, we can take nothing out. So while we're here, if we have food and clothing, we're gonna be content with that. What Paul is doing here is distinguishing between our wants that we're talking about today, living like we want, and our needs. And Paul's list of needs is crazy short. Food and clothing. 
That's it, period. And if you're anything like me, you're thinking, surely there are more needs in our life. Surely we need more than just clothes to wear and food to eat. But we have to look at this in the context of the previous, uh, previous verse. Paul starts by talking about our birth and our death. And so I want us to think of the implications of if we saw our life the way that Paul looked at life, if we took this grander vision and this zoomed out perspective on who we are, because what Paul believed is what we believe here at City Church, that before you were born, God uniquely formed you and created you, that means that you're in the presence of God. And if you have believed in Jesus, then the second you die, you transition back into the presence of God. That means that the moment before our birth, we are with God in a state of absolute perfection. Everything we could ever want and everything we could ever need. And likewise, at death, the moment you take your last breath, you transition directly back into God's presence. And we know that God's presence is perfection. Everything we could ever want and everything that we could ever need. Our lives are complete Perfection is where we start and where we end our lives. It's the bookends of who we are. And so really what we have to decide in this series as we're talking about our money is how we are going to live in between. What are we gonna believe and are we gonna be able to behave like we believe? Can we really believe what Paul says? That all we need between our birth and our death is just food and clothes. This is an important question because as we read on, we see that Paul says what we decide about this has serious implications for our lives. In the next verse, he says, those who want to get rich, those who prioritize the things that they want, keeping up with the people around them, those who refuse to take a zoomed out perspective and have a grander vision of their life, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Paul is saying when your goal in life is to outrich the people around you, you get to a point pretty quickly when you can no longer distinguish between the things that you want and the things that you actually need. Paul calls this a trap. And we've already seen today that the world has set a trap for us. It has dangled so many shiny things in front of us. And then it makes it where we can with one click finance it with money that we actually don't have. But when we fall into that trap, it inevitably leads to harmful and foolish desires, like the desire to live a million dollar life on a thousand dollar salary. And this is a huge deal because not only does this lead to the desires, but Paul says that the foolish desires plunge people in the Greek, that literally means to sink people down into ruin and destruction. Now, we're not talking about hell here. We're talking about a complete waste of your life during your short time on earth. And so let me ask you, have you ever considered that the way you handle your money is actually a spiritual issue? 
You know, what the majority of people tend to do is we, we separate the practical parts of our lives like our finances, our finances just feel very rote and very, very practical. And we distance that from the spiritual side of our lives. But Paul is saying that this is an unwise way to live because what we know is that God cares about every part of your life, including how you're gonna handle your money. Because when we have the desire to get rich and when we fail to zoom out and to really look at our life from a grander vision perspective, we will inevitably be drawn to outspend our resources, which will put us into debt. And when you are in debt, your money is not working for you. It becomes this incredible burden and it can sabotage you spiritually. When you are living in debt, and if you are, you know the stress of it. You know the weight that it puts on you personally. You know how it can drive a wedge in your relationships and in your marriage, and you know how some debt usually leads to more debt. And when you live that way, and you focus all your attention on accumulating more things and outdoing the people around you, it's a distraction from how God may want to uniquely use your life in this world. Our debt focuses our attention on this zoomed in version where our lives are the only thing that matters and comparisons to other people are the only thing that matters and we miss the purpose, the grander vision that God has for our lives and what you're risking if you live to be rich and if you live to accumulate more things, you're risking laying on your deathbed someday having completely wasted your life. It's what Paul says is ruin and destruction. Our wants drive us into debt that take all of our time and our energy and cause us to miss out on the things that God uniquely has for every one of your lives. Paul is simply telling Timothy, don't let what you want get in the way of what God wants for you. And so our money and how we handle it is a big deal. It's a spiritual issue. It can sabotage us. And so how can we behave like we believe and make our money work for us? Well, in week one, we're gonna take the first step. And the first step is to deal with our debt. We can't continue blaming it on culture or marketing or pretending that our wants are actually needs. You have to believe that you have the power to change your mind about how you're living and how you're handling your money and then behave like you believe. And so today, I want us to start taking back ground in our finances. And to be honest with you, I think that it's time that the church, and remember, you don't come to church, you are the church. You are City Church. And it's time for the church to get a little bit angry about how the world has tricked us into this trap of debt. And so if you're ready to be free of that trap, if you're ready to get rid of the allure of the shiny things and the lines of credit, then I'm asking you to take some time this week and to do some work. 
This isn't gonna happen magically. You're not gonna be able to wish it into existence. You are going to have to do some work. And so when you came in, you were given a, a simple handout. Does everyone have your handout with you? And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna walk us through what we're calling the debt relief form. Now this is, this is basically a very simple version, like the very first thing that you would do in Dave Ramsey's financial piece. And I know that not all four or 5,000 people who come to Bandera Road on the weekend are gonna go to financial peace. You can't, we don't have room for all of you. But I want everyone to have an opportunity to start taking back some ground when it comes to your debt. So the way that this is laid out and the way that it works is at the very top, you have a place to put your total monthly take home income. So this is what you net every month. Now you may have to do some work. I know a lot of people work contract or you don't have a consistent salary or maybe you've never done the work to take what you make annually and break it down into months. And so my suggestion would be to round down. Whatever you think you make, round down because I promise it's better to get to the end of the month and be surprised with more than to get to the end of the month and be surprised with overdraft notices. So your total monthly take home, you're gonna round down. Now the next section is going to be your monthly expenses. You can guesstimate on this. You could do it sitting in your seat, but if you really want it to be effective, if you really want to get serious about this, you'll go home, you won't lose this, you'll log on to your bank account, and you'll really see what you're spending in these areas. And so the first two you'll notice are what Paul said our needs are, food and clothing. Now, Woody and I talked about this for a while, and we decided it's 2017, culturally, contextually, we're going to be a little generous, we're going to give you a few more needs. Somewhere to live, your rent, your mortgage, whatever you're paying for where you're staying, your transportation, whether it's your car payment, your Uber payments, uh, your bus uh, tickets, and then your insurance, car insurance, house insurance, health insurance. And what you're gonna do is you're gonna put a total of what you're spending on those things monthly. Some are variable, which means they change every month. Some are fixed. Your house is probably a fixed expense. And then you'll notice there's a box called other. Other is where all of your debt is gonna go and all of your non-necessities are gonna go. All of your student loans and all of your uh, uh, other, other debts that you're trying to pay off, all your credit card expenses, whatever you are, are paying for or whatever you have bought without actually having the money for it, put your minimums in there as well as things that didn't make the list of necessities. Now, as you do this, what you're gonna do when it's all filled out, you're gonna get your calculator and you're gonna take your monthly take-home income and you're gonna start subtracting every other box. And this is gonna get depressing. <laughs> and if you are like most Americans, so listen, you are not alone. If you are like most Americans, when you put your total at the bottom, it will have a negative sign in front of it. The majority of Americans are spending more money every month than they actually make. This is called living above your means. And it is why we are a nation crippled with debt. We are, our wants are outweighing our resources. And so here's the process that you have to do. You have to find a way to start living below your means. And this little simple piece of paper will give you the power to do that. 
Because what you can do is you can see how much money you spend in a month on your food and you can figure out how to lower it. Pack a lunch to go to work. Instead of Starbucks every morning, make a Keurig. I know, Keurig coffee sucks, but so does being in debt. Listen, when you get to other and you look at your non-necessities, if you're in crippling debt, I'm sorry, you may not be able to afford the 500 channel package that you only watch three channels of. There are simple solutions to start living below your means. Some of us have more shoes than we could ever wear in a lifetime. And I just started wearing shoes, so I don't even really know anything about that. (laughs) But listen, here's what you can do. You can start taking back ground in your debt and it matters. Because Paul did not write this to Timothy to be a buzzkill. He wasn't trying to rain on his parade. He wrote to him because he loved him and because he knew that he had a purpose that God had uniquely placed on him. And I'm here today and I'm telling you this because I love you and because I know that God has uniquely placed a purpose on your life and I'm afraid that the way we handle our money and the amount of debt that we get ourselves in will distract us from seeing how the creator of the universe wants to uniquely use your life to affect and influence the world around you. Your money matters. It's a spiritual issue. And so I'm asking you to take this home and I'm asking you to really do it, to really have the conversations about how you can lower these until you're spending less than you're making. And what that's gonna free you to do is be a little proactive with your money. You can take the extra and put it on debt to start trying to work your way out to a healthier living situation. Now, for some of you, you're gonna get to this and it's gonna be too overwhelming and you're not gonna even know where to start. If that's you, please go to Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. This church, the organization, doesn't make a single dollar off of that program. It does cost a little bit. Every bit of it is for your resources. It goes back to Dave Ramsey. We wish we could offer it to you for free because we believe in it. And people have gotten out of hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, and now they're clear to have a grander vision of what God wants to do in their life. Figure out how much you're making. Figure out what you're spending And let's start living below our means so that God can take our church, which is you, and use it to absolutely tear a hole in our city, to be the light that we have been called to be in a world that is getting darker and darker by the day. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for loving us, for caring enough about us to even talk to us about our money and how we're gonna use it. And God, I pray that every person in here can feel the weight of the unique purpose you've put on their lives. And we would do whatever it takes to live our lives and to handle our money in a way where we can clearly see the grander vision of how you wanna use us and where you can take all we are and all that we have and use it for your purposes and for your kingdom in incredible ways. I thank you for every person here, every person watching online and over in the video cafe. I pray that you bless them as they go home to do the hard work in their finances. And we love you. We thank you for Jesus. And we pray all of this in his name. And everyone said, amen.